It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my, my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships, sans the sleaze factor, while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. Um, my premise for this show is something where a friend of mine called and said they were dealing with something that really is, can be very derailing and is kind of like a, what happens to a good percentage of women when they go through, when they have a hormonal shift and change in their life, whether that is after a pregnancy, whether that is after surgery, after some form of medical treatment, many people women who have dealt with uh, therapies for cancer, where it ends up wiping out their hormone. If they had a, an estrogen-associated breast cancer, they'll be told they have to take estrogen-blocking uh, products. And all of these things contribute to making very, very painful intercourse. As this one woman said, she's in a new relationship, she said, you know, and this is one of those times when you wish this wasn't the case, that, you know, she said her partner is huge. And she said, literally, when she tries to do something, it's almost, she said, I'm bleeding like I'm a virgin. She said, it is so painful. And so I thought, you know, this is something that many couples deal with. And so I'm going to go through you know, what, what we refer to in my field as a, you know, sex educator as dyspareunia, painful intercourse. And it can be caused by a number of things. But, you know, the first thing people need to look at is why is this happening? And many times it will end up being something that is, it could be hormonal, it may not be. And the issue is that when you don't know what it is, if you try and talk to most physicians about it, they won't have a clue what to say to you. Truly, they won't. Main reason being, when the majority of physicians go through medical school, they do not get any, and when I say any, I mean any, uh, uh, unless they're going into you know OB, and even then, they're not talking about having sex, they're talking about you know, getting pregnant or not getting pregnant. And for this woman, I'm looking at what can I, what are some ideas that I know of? And also, she does not want to have something that is hormonal. Some people do. Some people are, you know, 
happy with doing, you know, uh, hormonal supplementation. Others are not. So here's the thing that people have to look at. Why is it happening? Okay. Now, if it is a drop of hormones, which can occur at any age, uh, anyone who has delivered a child and there's that when you when you are pregnant, you have so much many um, so much estrogen in your system. It's like you have a thousand times more than a normal woman, uh, which is why, <clears throat> excuse me, pregnant women have unbelievably thick hair, lots of pubic hair too, and it's almost like they have their own lubricant because the vaginal mucosa is so. I mean, estrogen is the the thing that plumps up skin. And so it also plumps up all of the mucosal tissue, which is another reason why many women who are pregnant get incredibly stuffy noses. Same reason. So is it, and, and then after the delivery of a child, there is this dive bomb of estrogen so that the women aren't even, you know, they are losing their hair in clumps. They, their skin changes. Everything happens, and the other thing is the, the vaginal vault, the whole vulvar vaginal area changes and becomes very dry, and so intercourse then becomes painful, particularly if someone has had a vaginal delivery. Now, let's look at what the other reasons are. It could be, again, it could be after pregnancy, could be after surgery, could be after cancer treatment, and it could be perimenopause and menopausal. And that's what's happened for this woman. And she did have um, a hysterectomy, which really impacted her. But the thing that she wants to do is what are her options, you know, given that this is where she is. So let me just go over some of the other reasons why we have, you know, painful intercourse. And one of the things is it could be that it is physiologically and psychologically connected. Has there been some trauma? Has there been um, abuse in a relationship? I mean, let's be serious. Your body is a finely tuned machine. And even if you're not aware of it, your body is downloading information ongoingly. So if you are in an area where you are, you know, something makes you not feel safe, that is, you know, you're not going to be open to doing things intimately. And if you are with someone who wants to be, <clears throat> who wants to have sex or be intimate and you are pissed off at them or, you know, they are, they've done something that has been upsetting to you, your body's not going to respond the same way it would <clears throat> if, there wasn't that impact. So what I ask people is tell me what is actually going on for you. Because when there is uh, a dyspareunia or when there is uh, a vaginismus, which is where the actual vagina tightens up so much at the entry into the vagina, what we call the introitus, that, that nothing can penetrate. And for some of these women, um, there's a, you know, a, a painful, you know, anything that touches it 
makes it feel like it's burning. When they sit, it, they have total pain throughout the whole vulvar area. Not going to make one be very happy about you know doing anything. And there are different solutions for that than there are for other situations. So if it is something that is psychological, what I ask them to do is, are they working with a therapist and do they know what the cause of it is? You know, do they, there are certain things that don't involve um, any type of uh, psychological, you know, uh, any type of psychotropic drug. So, but they can do something where it's more about connecting the mind-body experience. And if their intention is to create something better in a relationship or with themselves, chances are it's going to work. Now, with when, so let's say some, let, you know the psychological thing is going on. You know the cells in your body have again they've downloaded things, and even though a person may not be aware of it, their subconscious is. So, I've asked them. You know, have you considered doing any meditation, something that has you be able to relax and relate to different areas of your body? Because many times people are very much cut off from where their body is. They're, they're kind of like, they're not connected at all. And the, the thing for when I look at this is, hey, you need, if you're looking for help from someone, I'm going to do what I can do, but you need to give me the accurate information so I can help you. So here's the thing. Do or have they gone to I had a friend of mine who, a colleague, we do a presentation at for the severely injured soldiers once a year, and she happens to work in the VA system. And she said, I want to know, do you know of some good dilators? And I was speaking with another um, peer of mine who happened to be at an adult novelty show, and I asked her, and she said, you know, I was thinking of making one because she happens to be a manufacturer of product. And what she said is rather than, you know, she said, when I was talking to these pelvic floor people, she said, their comment to me was, why are you using dilators? You should be talking to a pelvic floor therapist or pelvic floor specialist before you do anything like that. Because there are, there is the ability to release trigger points within the vaginal vault, and also um, it can be done through um, into the rectum and releasing uh, nerve areas there that can relax and open up the pelvis and open up the tissue in a way that would not be able to be done um, externally. So I ask, have they spoken to a pelvic floor therapist? Have they considered doing that? Another thing, if someone is painful intercourse and it's they are scared or they're upset, I ask, have they considered maybe working with a surrogate who is trained and works with a therapist? That's really what surrogacy is. It is the use of a person, uh, a physical body, to have a person who might be scared of intercourse or you know, worried about it, and they can work with this person, and they will give them step-by-step -step things, 
And sometimes sex is not even involved. Actually, surrogates came into play in a big way in Israel because people, they, they're keeping, you know, the, in the Orthodox world, they're keeping the males and females separate. And yet they, so they never knew anything about one another and they weren't having children. Now, the rabbis got worried about that and ended up going to a woman who put together a program. We're coming up to the first break. And today we're talking about solutions for painful intercourse and the ways to get back to having great connected sex. Here's the tunes. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hearty bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hug him a dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. When you work out vigorously, why are your muscles more sore two days after your workout rather than the next day? It's called delay onset muscle soreness, otherwise known as DOMS. It is your body's signal that you need to rest. If you experience this, use the foam roller to increase blood flow to the affected muscles. Any moderate exercise like walking or yoga will also help relieve the muscle discomfort. Increasing the blood flow to the affected muscles speeds up the healing and makes you feel better. You can also take acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, to relieve the pain. Don't take ibuprofen or aspirin because they will actually interrupt the healing process. To help with circulation and inflammation, Eat foods high in omega-3s like nuts, salmon, and spinach. Most important, listen to your body. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard. This is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back. I was just running over to my bookcase here for a second. Um, as we, I had said before the break, what we're going to be talking about today is, you know, painful intercourse. And in some cases, painful intercourse leads to 
people losing all their interest in sex to begin with. But so let's go back to where we had left off at the just before the break. So if it is a psychological thing, one needs to be honest with themselves about, you know, see a therapist and see a therapist that specializes in the area of sexuality. Sometimes therapists will often end up pathologizing or making wrong something that isn't wrong anyway. And because they don't, they're not comfortable talking about sex and they don't understand the physiology of sex. So make sure if you are going to be seeing um, a therapist that they understand your life. If you are into kink, kink is not the issue. It could be that, you know, you had a partner who was, you know, was not engaging you or was uh, angry or something that had you shut down. So again, the, the thing that I have seen is that many times if there had been abuse of either, you know, the one partner or the other, that can be carried into a long-term relationship, marriage, and yet it will still remain an issue and often will end up be, being part of why a relationship ends or, you know, a marriage ends. So I looked, you know, when I are talking about this woman who was dealing with, you know, the, the painful intercourse and wanting to go visit this new man, um, for her, it was not, you know, a question of, of abuse or psychological, but let's be really clear. We have had so many women coming forward and talking about this now as something that is much more in the media. There are more women that are talking about it and talking about the abuse or what was, you know, upsetting and, you know, inappropriate, but there will still be some who won't talk about it. And the reason they won't is because they're worried about being shamed. And that's the main thing that kept all of these other women silent. No one would believe them. Now, going back to is if there is a tightening or a stenosis, and that is typically caused by a, um, either a surgery, if a woman had a episiotomy and then it was stitched up and it was stitched up poorly, that can be a problem. Uh, or if there's a, if they had a very difficult delivery and there was some tears, that can cause scarring and stenosis. But the main reason is invariably hormones. So, and stenosis is literally, it literally feels like it's hardening. That's how it's been described. Is it feels like there's absolutely no flexibility to it. And that makes sense because particularly if it is the drop of estrogen, perimenopausal, menopausally, there are that there really aren't as you know as much estrogenic hormone throughout a woman's body. And those tissue areas, so many women will first see a difference um, in their gum line. Their gums sort of recede a little bit. That's also another reason why many women will start getting little tiny fine lines in their upper lip because the fatty tissue in their lips that would have kept that skin smooth, the skin is now desiccating or drying out and it doesn't have that plumpness that comes from estrogen. So, and the reason that in, during intercourse that it is so painful is that vaginal mucosa, there is a fatty layer there. And once that fatty layer is gone, then you've got tissue 
right on nerves. And it literally feels like tearing. And so needless to say, that is not comfortable. And let me tell you something, no amount of lubricant is going to give the feeling of cushion. The only thing that can change that is to support tissue growth, either with, you know, a, a topical estrogen or something I, you know, my recommendation is always to go with something that is a topical because then it goes straight into the uh, bloodstream and you get the full dosage of the estrogen versus if you swallow something, it then has to go through your entire system and then it gets, you know, goes through the liver, goes through the kidneys and you only get a small amount by the time it gets absorbed in the large and small intestine to go into the bloodstream. So better to use something that is applied topically, either to skin on your arms, inner thighs, or actually vaginally or, or on the vulvar area as well. Now, there are some women who, if they do have uh, a, um, a dyspareunia or if they have a vaginismus, that is something that can be treated uh, with, a, with a different format. But before we go there, I'm going to talk about the products and the options that I would recommend for someone dealing with very painful intercourse right now. First thing, you know, you can try using your own natural, you know, uh, I would recommend like a jojoba oil or a coconut oil, both of which are very delicate for those tissues. Now, the other thing is, is that if someone has not been sexually active for some time, chances are things will have, you know, shrunk and they will have tightened up. So when they say, if you don't use it, you will lose it. They're not joking. So, I mean, even if, and, and staying active from a uh, masturbation standpoint will also keep the blood flow and that tissue more healthy. Now, there's another product that is non-hormonal, uh, plant-based, developed by, you know, it's doctor developed, doctor, you know, certified, and it is a product called Inner Intimates. And the woman who created it did so, her name is Olga Cohen, and she did so when she was in her early 40s and was slammed into early menopause, had just remarried, and she said, oh no, I enjoy sex way too much to have this be an issue, not happening. Now, she also did not want anything hormonal. So she worked with her brother, who was a, an MD, and uh, she also had a very strong background in the area of uh, personal care products. So she knew you know, where to source really good, pure quality ingredients from. And again, she wanted non-hormonal. She did not want anything that was going to be drug. You know, she didn't want any parabens. And she created this product for herself. And she, it is, um, you can find it on Amazon. It's Inner Intimates. Uh, Olga Cohen and her company is Grohen, G-R-O-H-E-N, Technologies. And it is something you can use, you know, after you've had a shower, you would put it, uh, it's little teeny syringes, obviously with no needle, it's just the syringe itself. And it, you, you would put it in the way you would 
a tampon. And what it does is it literally helps, it literally supports the vaginal tissue and stops that constant atrophy of the tissue. And I know it, it can also be used uh, just before intercourse to as a form of lubricant, but it is something that for people who have, you know, gone through perimenopause and menopause, this is, in my mind, one of the best options rather than the things that are developed by uh, all that are, that are have a basis in pharmaceutical or a basis in petrochemicals, which I wouldn't use ever. And But when Olga talks about this, it is something that um, she had gone to her OBGYN and said, look, this is what I'm dealing with, and this has just been so painful. And the woman, she came back two months later, and her OB you know, was doing a pelvic exam on her and said, oh, my God, what have you done? And Olga was like, what do you mean? And she said, it's like you have the vagina of a 25-year-old. All of this tissue is so healthy looking. And that is the woman who I've had her on my show. She is terrific. She's based in New York. And But the one thing she did is she said, I wanted to have something that I knew was a really top quality product and that someone could use without it being hormonal, with no drugs, no parabens, and that the work had been done on it. So it is, um, there's some essential oils in it. It's got, but she's done things that are really safe. And that, because a lot of the things that are being put inside of women to supposedly, you know, help with intercourse, they are not safe to go inside women. They are, so here's the thing. This is kind of a, uh, a test that one OBGYN said, to uh, a, a woman that I know, if you wouldn't put it in your eye, don't put it there, right? And because the mucosal tissue in your eye is very similar to the mucosal tissue of the vagina. So this inner intimates, the, you know, the vaginal rejuvenation therapy is what it's called. It is so fabulous. And, you know, women can use it before intercourse. They can use it you know, as a way to rejuvenate the tissue. So I'm going to be ordering some for this woman and get it to her before she makes this trip to go see this new man in her life. And just knowing that there's something that can help is huge for so many women. Now, when we come back, we're going up to our second break here. I'm going to be talking about dealing with um, if someone has a dyspareunia that is as a result of a you know a damage or that they have that, that they know their body just shuts down the minute that they're thinking about having uh, intercourse so here we come here we're coming up to the next break and I will be here afterwards and we're going to be talking then about the women dealing with more painful intercourse here come the tunes Sex Talk with 
with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Residents of Alligator Point, Florida, discovered a 400-pound gabberlunzi bear raiding their garbage. They called the local wildlife authorities. The officers came out and shot the bear with a tranquilizer dart in order to move him. Unexpectedly, the frightened bear swam out into the water where it started to drown as the tranquilizer began taking effect. Adam Warwick, an officer from the Wildlife Commission, jumped into action, swimming towards a juggernaut bear, while the other officers tried to figure out how to rescue both of them. Adam was somehow able to grab the bear and paddle 25 yards to the shore, saving the bear's life. The bear was then loaded on a truck and transported back to its home in the forest. What's the word for a last-minute attempt to get something done? A charrette. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. One simple strategy for healthy, low-calorie eating is to pack your lunch instead of eating out. When you planned your lunch, you can control what you were eating and how much. Going to a restaurant can be disastrous for someone trying to lose weight or maintaining their present weight. Even choices like Caesar salad can be as much as 600 calories. And some Asian dishes like sweet and sour chicken can be well over 500 calories. You can put together a lunch that is satisfying for less than 300 calories. Harvard Medical School states that packing your lunch makes healthy food choices readily available, helps you curb portion sizes, and saves you money. You can pack leftovers from the night before and add fresh veggies and fruit. Keep it healthy and delicious. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Back again. So if someone is dealing with... Uh, a vulvodynia and uh, with a painful intercourse that literally has them, you know, literally has the entry into the vagina, like, like literally shut down. There are some, you know, there's like, it could happen as a result of childbirth or herpes virus or sports trauma or, you know, it can happen as a result of a pinched nerve, the pudendal nerve. And, you know, the, the surgical trauma and the orthopedic injury is, you know, any of these can cause this. But the important thing is, what are the ways that you can treat it? And what are the ways that you can get some relief from it? Now, I was trying to find a book. There's a, a physician who I had seen and... He was originally a plastic surgeon and he had, that's why I was running around in my bookshelf trying to find this book. And 
he was originally a plastic surgeon who had, you know, would uh, rebuild faces and do that type of work for people who had been injured or, you know, had some trauma to their face or uh, another part of their body. And he had a woman who came to him who had terrible uh, vulvodynia. And she was, you know, is there a way you can treat this? So when he first started, he was like, well, I, I'm not sure what to do. But she had come to him and he had also moved into the area of plastic surgery where people were wanting to have um, Botox done. And which in essence works with a strain of a uh, product, a botulism, that paralyzes the nerve, stops the nerves from reacting. And it was originally developed for people who had uh, a form of blindness where their eyes would constantly flicker and constantly blink. So they couldn't really, you know, they could walk around, but they couldn't drive, they couldn't read. They basically, their whole quality of life was, you know, staying at home and doing nothing because they weren't functional. With the use of the Botox around the eye area, it relaxed those muscles and they could then have clear vision. So that's where the Botox first came. And then what was also happening is people then realized that it was also very helpful for um, people who had migraine headaches. It was helpful for people who had, you know, outbreaks and clusters of those. Well, this physician, this woman came to him for that. She also suffered from uh, vulvodynia. And she said, is there a way that you could use the Botox internally to relax that muscle spasm. And he had described, when I saw him speaking at ASECT, and that's the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. That's the uh, group that I am certified by. I am a certified sex educator. And then I also have my hard sciences background, biology, botany, microbiology, all the good stuff. Anyway, when he, he would say that, you know, these women would be under anesthetic, they would not, and he said, even with a touch of a Q-tip on the outer labia or on the inner labia, he said their whole body would arch and they would be in such pain. And he said, and they were under, you know, they were under a form of anesthesia. So what he did is he, because it takes a while for the Botox to, you know, become fully impactful on tissue you know, two to three days, some people say five days. But what would happen is these women would be under anesthetic and he would then put the, um, a small dilator in and then in, he would inject the Botox into the vaginal wall where right around where the PC muscle is, the pubococcygeus muscle. And that is the muscle that is just on the inside of the entry into the vagina. And anytime, you know, and that is also the muscle that is involved in orgasm for women and for men. And it runs from the front to the back of the pelvic girdle like a little hammock. In women, there's three holes, the anus, the vagina, and the urethra. In men, there's two, the anus and the urethra. Now that is the muscle that contracts at the time of 
orgasm. That is also the muscle that tightens up and prevents entry into the vagina. So that is what was being, that is what the Botox would do to relax that muscle while there is a dilator in place. Now these women would go home and they would have a series of dilators to help expand that muscle and to keep it relaxed so it didn't go into that form of tetany, that tetanus uh, reaction again. And he had phenomenal results from this. Now there were some people who said, well, I don't like the fact that he's actually using uh, Botox. Um, I don't think that this is going to work. Well, he did have the results that it did work. And for women who were desperate to be able to be sexual with their partners, this was one of the last things they could do. They could fly in, have the appointment, and usually they would come with their partner as well. But the important thing about this is that it is something that is used for that form of dyspareunia, where it literally everything shuts down. Now, the for this woman who is going down to visit her boyfriend, I am going to recommend the woman I talked about who the boyfriend is really huge. This is one of those times you wish it wasn't, but it is. And having, you know, the um, inner intimates, the vaginal rejuvenation therapy, I'm going to recommend that for her. She's probably not going to be going down for another month or so. So I'm going to recommend that she start doing this immediately, if not sooner. And then the other thing is if she can use her own fingers and sort of massage internally, that is going to give something that will allow the tissue to relax a little more. And sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to put my fingers inside of myself. Well, you know, someone might be putting their penis in there. Why wouldn't you put your fingers in there? Why wouldn't you have yourself feel, you know, more comfortable doing that? What it can also do is show if there's an area that is um, more tender or is, you know, has, is more of a, what they would call a hot spot. You can be more delicate with that. You can massage a little bit more. But the important thing is being able to have something, as I said before, knowing that someone could actually help with this was so shocking to her because nobody else, you know, yes, you can use estrogen, you know, therapy. You can, you know, use a cream and in, insert topically, you know, into the vagina. But men, for some women, they do not want to use hormones. They want to use something that is a more natural base. That's why I recommend, you know, the, um, the organic virgin coconut oil or the jojoba. Now, if you have uh, someone who they don't want to go for intercourse, there, of course, are other things that one can do. One can always have, you know, there are many times, I remember one of my mentors, Dr. Bernie Zilbergeld, he did a quiz one time of people, and he called them his great lovers. And he said, some of the people who consider themselves to be great lovers, he said, they no longer can have intercourse as a result of uh, perhaps he was not, he was no longer 
uh, able to be erect or she, you know, it was painful intercourse for her. But he said they still consider themselves to be great lovers because of what they did with one another. Now, an option, of course, for someone, again, depending on comfort level with things, is anal intercourse. Now, that may be, you know, uh, a bit much for some people, but I will tell you that anal intercourse is an option for maintaining virginity in many cultures, where the women will have anal intercourse with their boyfriend prior to marriage, so that when they get married, they are not, um, they are still technically a virgin, but they are still able to enjoy intercourse with one another. Of course, there's always all of the manual play. And that for me is, there's so many different ways to be intimate with your body. It isn't just intercourse, manual play, oral play. There's also how many times there's massive industries for toys. You can create a, you know, a little toy chest of goodies for, you know, yourselves and put that together. There are so many things that can be done that, yes, painful intercourse is something that for many people, it creates what they refer to as a new normal in their sex life where they are, you know, I, I thought I was going to lose my partner because I was, I no longer, you know, it was so painful to have intercourse. And I was speaking with a friend of mine who she just turned, I think 78 and she and her husband are still, you know, sexually active. But she said to me, it is so painful. And I said, I know. And I said, well, what are you doing? And she said, you know, about all I can do is, you know, use, you know, some lubricants. But she said, I, you know, it tears and I'm bleeding. Now I'm wondering how could her husband not be aware that this is happening because her body would be like tightening up upon penetration. So anyways, when we come back, I'm going to talk about these, the solutions either with the anal play, manual, oral, or with toys, because there are so many different ways to be intimate. And we just have to think of this as kind of like more like a chronic condition. And, you know, we can always deal with chronic conditions when we get creative. Believe you me, people who are disabled are really creative. And here comes the tunes. And when we come back, we're going to be creative with options. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. first began carrying passengers, everyone was treated to first-class accommodations. Caviar and sandwiches were presented on porcelain plates with beverages served in crystal. Flying was truly a special event as passengers wore suits and evening dresses. What do you call a person who is afraid to fly? 
an aeroacrophobic. The airlines required stewardesses to be unmarried, and many were nurses as well. To be a pilot was respected and revered. What do you call a person who chooses a career based on the glamorous image it conveys? A modoc. A typical flight in those days from London to Singapore would cost over $17,000 today and take eight days. What's another word for jet lag? Dysrhythmia. Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Ah, the good old days. A hundred years ago, the average life expectancy was 47 years. More than 95% of all births occurred at home, and only 14% of U.S. homes had a bathtub. Most women only wash their hair once a month and use borax or egg yolks for a shampoo. Of course, eggs were a mere 14 cents a dozen. 100 years ago, only 8% of homes had a telephone, beginning a century of telewagging. A hundred years ago, there were only 8,000 cars registered in the U.S. and just 144 miles of paved roads. The average wage in the U.S. was 22 cents an hour. What's a word for the pathological yearning for the good old days? Hesternophobia. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And as always, if you have any questions, you can reach me um, on office at loupaget.com or lou at loupaget.com or go to my site, loupaget.com, and send um, a question. And I answer all my own questions. I don't have anyone else answer them for me, period, full stop. So here's something I also, um, there's painful intercourse. And while I was going through some questions that people have sent to me, I found one from a woman who had written me and she's uh, had lost the ability to orgasm. And this is her letter. And then I'm going to tell you what my suggestions to her. I'm a 40 year old mother of four, happily married to my husband nearly 12 years with a satisfied sex life. The last six months, however, I had to concentrate on the right spot more and more in order to reach an orgasm. Then, three months ago, I completely lost the ability to orgasm. The best I get is a buildup that suddenly collapses instead of ending in an orgasm. I've been to the gynecologist and have my hormone levels, among many other things, checked but he couldn't find anything physically wrong with me and referred me to mental health for sex therapy. I don't think I have any issues in my life, such as stress resentment that could stand in my way of sexual, you know, satisfaction. I mean, boo hiss on this guy because he couldn't figure out what was going on. Yikes. Anyways, this is her comment. I have sensation, but it's not arousing or sexual. I have libido and want to be intimate and sexually engaged with my husband often even initiated. I don't get any feedback from my body physically. I've tried warming gels, blood flow, increasing supplements, etc. 
they do little to nothing for my arousal and ability to reach an orgasm. Neither can I trigger an orgasm myself by masturbating. That for me was really a, a very telling comment. My husband is very understanding and patient with all this. What do you think is going on? What should I do? I want my sex life back. Thank you. Signs of, you know, her name. Now, the first thing I would ask her, honestly, is, is she on um, some medication, such as an SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor? Is she on one of those for something else and not associating it with stress? Because the antihypertensive, anti-anxiety, antidepressants wipe out your libido and not just a little bit. And what they also do is they can also make you become anorgasmic. In other words, no longer ability to orgasm. And secondarily, they can also create what is known as genital anesthesia. In other words, you don't feel anything. This is what this woman is describing to me, particularly when she says, neither can I trigger an orgasm myself by masturbating. That is invariably the most, you know, sure shot for, you know, boom, we know something's going to happen. For me, this is, she's probably not even associating it with the SSRIs. And the other thing that it could be is if she is taking a birth control that is one that is supposedly beautifying. In other words, it's an androgen blocking. So it stops beautifying for girls who, when they would have their periods, they would get um, outbreaks. And that's because of the, you know, the heightened testosterone that would happen. And what this does, what these particular products do, these uh, birth controls, oral birth control, it literally interrupts. And women have much smaller amounts of testosterone in their system to begin with. So I know of young women who, you know, I was doing a presentation, private uh, seminar for them, and they were all at UCLA at the time. And they all said, oh, my God, when we went on, you know, oral birth control, we lost our libidos. Like, it was gone. And it was like we didn't feel anything. There was no arousal, zippo. And the other thing that's a problem is that with the um, SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, uh, those, the impacts of those can be permanent for women and for men. And um, uh, Dr. Stuart Shipko in Pasadena was guided me on this because he was dealing with a young woman who was on no medication, taking nothing, and both she and her boyfriend ended up going on to an antidepressant for a period of time. She never, ever got her libido or her genital sensation back. He did. But, and she wasn't on it for a long period of time either. So one thing people have to be aware of is, you know, taking medications can also really impact your ability to be sexual. So let's talk about if you do have um, painful intercourse, if you do have, you know, dyspareunia or vulvodynia, what are your options? Well, anal play. One of the things about anal play people have to know is that that area is not self-lubricating. Many people will think, oh, God, it's going to be dirty. Well, it's, you know, food your body didn't use, um, old blood cells, things that your body, you know, it's waste. Your body doesn't use it. 
So yeah, it's you know waste material. You can do a uh, enema if you want beforehand. Some people do. That just makes them feel a little more comfortable. You can use. Um, you need to use a thicker gel if you're going to be using toys or going to be doing intercourse. The thing, the reason for the thicker gel is it stays in place better. And the other thing is that from some people, anal play is highly, highly arousing because, and they can have orgasms strictly from anal play because for women and for men, that is one area that contracts during the orgasmic response. So that's the, you know, that's one of the holes in the pubococcygeus muscle from the front to the back of the pelvic. So it will contract at the same time as the urethra and in women as the uh, vagina. Manual play. Well, I'm going to give a shameless plug for my books here. My books are based on oral and manual play. They are illustrated step by step. I actually have a card here for someone that I'm going to be sending um, a copy of two of my books to. Uh, he just got married this past summer, and I said, "Well, I will send you, you know, a copy of the book so that you know you can follow and add some new ideas." Because think about this for a moment. Many times we rely on our same, exactly the same sort of dance steps in the bedroom, and sometimes we need to add new things in. So, you know, for this woman, I'm going to also suggest that she take, you know. One um, or two of my books, and the two of them can try different things that don't involve intercourse to have some fun with. Because most people know how to have intercourse, but it's the expanded things, the manual play. There's so many different things that you can do. Um, whether it's you know one hand, two hands, you do need to make sure you have a very good lubricant. Um, the other thing that's nice about you know manual play is. There's, you know, direct skin contact because typically you're not having to worry about um, protection uh, unless, of course, someone has an outbreak of something, at which point, yes, do use the condom. Now, oral play, that's another whole area that people, you know, may think, oh, well, you know, I, this is kind of like a substitute for intercourse. No, it's not. For many men, Oral intercourse is even more satisfying than actual penetrative intercourse. And the reason they tell me why is because they are, they don't have to do, as we would say, as they would say, all the heavy lifting. They are able to, uh, you know, relax into the sensation. They are able to um, focus on their own sensation. They don't have to, you know, they're not on their elbows, you know, trying not to squish a partner and having to, you know, do all of the activity with their thighs and their hips and everything and, you know, focus on their sensation. But the thing about the oral sex is that it really does a combination of the three things that I remember this one man telling me. The thing about intercourse that really makes it, he said, it's a combination of heat, pressure and moisture. And he said, if you put those three things together, you are basically going to be able to create a great sensation for just about any guy. And the other thing for oral sex is that often it is quicker because the woman can use her hand to create more pressure. There are, you have to make sure that you keep the ring of your fingers and your mouth sealed together 
that creates a longer area for sensation. You have to be twisting with your hand, using your tongue on the back of the um, head of the, the glands. That area is like one of the most sensitive. But you know, the, the whole thing about it is that it's something you can be in different positions. He can be in a chair. He can be lying on a bed. It, but it really allows someone to play, you know, start with breasts maybe, do other things, and then maybe if it feels right, go on to intercourse. Now, I could do a whole hour on toys and what can be done. There are many more toys that people can look at that can be used on fingers, that can be used on a tongue, that can be used, you know, just on one hand, and they're not expensive. Things don't have to be massively expensive. And, but what they do have to have is a design that you like, and it's like any exercise equipment. Exercise equipment is going to work if you use it. And the same way, any type of toy will typically work if you use it and know your own body. So, you know, you can use a vibrator behind a tongue, you can use it directly on the, the penis or on the woman's clitoris or on the side, whatever it may be. But the important thing is there are options if one is not able to have penetrative intercourse because of you know an injury or because it's just too painful. So whatever it is, if you have questions about this, please do contact me at office at Lou Paget. And it's Inner Intimates by Olga Cohen's company. And it's called Vaginal Rejuvenation Therapy. There's coconut oil, extra virgin I recommend, jojoba, and anything, talk to, make sure it is a certified sex educator. Have an awesome week and enjoy your time. Great holidays. Take care. Bye-bye. For being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 